Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Israel Soto. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. This morning it's communion service and it's a very special day always. I'm speaking to you out of the book of Exodus and today I'm going to sway just a little bit. Don't worry, we'll be back. Just for your information, we, t- we have until Jesus comes to talk about Exodus. Okay, so unless this is the last service you want to come to, then you lost out. But if you're back, we're going to continue. But this morning, I want to share something the Lord has laid in my heart very special for his church. And especially in these days, we are facing tremendous days right now. There's a lot of confusion. I'm going to take my glasses off. Please forgive my eyes if I don't have a blink. But it's a tremendously time, tremendous time for people in and outside of the church. I, I meet people all the time. Very concerned with what's happened politically in our government. Very concerned about what's happening in the Ukraine, what's happening in China, what's happening in the Middle East. Very concerned because now the pressure that we hear, at least what we were being told, whether you believe the anchors on television are true or not, or if you're one of the fake news kind of people, I don't know. But there's a lot of information out there that tells you on a daily basis, it's flooding social media, it's flooding your television of how tremendously powerful and downward in spiral our world is. We're facing perilous times. Yesterday, in speaking to a gentleman, and he confirmed just so much what I believe God wants to tell you today. We talked about this very subject. It was on business that I had with him. He came to my home, and I sat down, and before he dismissed, we were done with our business. He said, hey, faster. What about today? What about today? I said, what about today? He goes, it's getting uglier. Now, this man is not a Christian man. But his heart is haunting faster than normal, as is the hearts of the world today. Some are expressing it in writing and protesting and all these things, and they're going to do whatever. But it's all an ext- it's all the result, and it's all showing the insecurity of the hearts of people. Mm. And as I spoke to him, he said that this is a perilous time. Maybe it's a time of the Antichrist. I said, we had Antichrist and Jesus was born. Hmm? Now, are you talking about the end-time Antichrist? Well, that's going to be a significant individual. But if you're talking about Antichrist, we live in a world of Antichrist. Maybe you're not understanding me this morning. It's a perilous time. Maybe it's a time 
of the Antichrist. Maybe it's a time where economically we're going to be crushed. Maybe it's a time where our United States, the land of the free, beautiful America, is going to become a socialist country and we're going to be enslaved. After all, Charles Schwab was quoted to say this, and these are the people who are in charge of all the financial economic world in the world except for Russia. But he said this. He says, we will get to the point where people will own nothing and be happy. That's a very powerful and ugly statement. So he knew about this, and he said, it's a troubled time. I said, look, obviously you are very concerned. You're going to get sick. Trust me, I know about that. But I'll tell you what time it is. He said, what time is it? I said, it's time to be in Jesus. <laughs> it's time to be in Jesus. You can entertain yourself with everything that's going on and get yourself to a point where you have a heart attack and you won't solve a thing for yourself. I said, but if you want to know what time it is that you're asking me, I can look at my watch and tell you that it's time for Jesus. I said, this religious game that people play, this church game that people play, This traditional thing that people play is not going to work anymore. It's never worked, but now it really is not going to work. There's a powerful statement that the Lord made one day concerning the last days. It was a statement of double reference. He was speaking about the rebellious nations that were coming against his people, Judah. I'm in trouble because it has nothing to do with my sermon. But I said, Lord, do what you want. Say what you want. I can't even talk. But there was a very powerful statement he made in Scripture. For in the last days, he said, I will raise your skirt. And the world will see your nakedness. Those are ugly words, powerful words that should make us go like this. I'm going to raise your skirt and they shall, the world shall see your nakedness. That is, there's going to come to a point where everyone will know who you really are. Even the church will be cut in half. The Bible says that two shall be in the healed and one shall be raptured. And so the traditional things, the church things, the religious things, and all the things that we learn how to do, and we are so numb to the reality of Christ, will be uncovered one day, soon. And I believe deep in my heart that the world is beginning to recognize that. <laughs> because we're beginning to see things unfold, and we're beginning to learn things about people that we never thought would be possible. <clears throat> what time is it, Pastor? It's time for Jesus. 
And I want to coin that statement today. I want you to engrave it in your heart because the next time you talk to somebody who wants to entertain you about all the politics, they tell you, you know what, in all of this, you can talk all you want, but they tell you what time it is. And when they ask you what time it is, and you say, it's time for Jesus. That's what needs to start coming out of the mouths of Christians. It's time for Jesus. We've been having Jesus in this house. We may not be very popular. <laughs> and people on this land may not be too familiar with what's going on here. I'll tell you what, what's important to me is that he knows we're here. That he knows that we're in this house and we worship him and we praise him. But it's time for Jesus. As I prayed, I was reminded of the sweetest thing we should know about him during times of duress like this. And you know what it is? Is that he loves us. I weep at night when I pray. But all I do is remember how much he loves me. When I see the journey of my life, these 62, almost 63 years of my life, and I've seen the ups and downs, the peaks and the valleys of my life, it seems like the Holy Spirit says, are you done looking through that historical thought and mind pattern you have? So, well, now this for the, know this for the present. I love you. And I can look at myself in the mirror and I say, you love me. And he goes, I love you. And I'm here to tell you this morning, as we begin to take communion, there's something he would have you never to forget, is that he loves you. And that love, the Bible says, should be enough to compel us that the life we live should not be lived for ourselves, but for him who died for us. And so this morning in your walk with God, I challenge you to the thought. In your mind, what time is it? There is a time to go and buy everything out of the shelves at H&G and prepare. Maybe it's a time to go and buy a 500-gallon tank of gas and fill it out so that we can have gas when the shortage comes. Maybe right now we should start pulling our money out of the bank and keep it at home because they're talking about freezing accounts. And you're thinking all these things and you're strategizing all what you can. I'm here to tell you, stop it. I'll tell you what time it is. Anyway, I don't know what time it is. It's time for Jesus. We were talking about the book of Exodus, and we saw that how the people of Israel were taken into Egypt because of famine. They were taking, they had to move to Egypt because of famine. And even in Egypt, that place of slavery, God, the Bible says, prostrated them. Joseph, in the midst of his turmoil, trouble, and imprisonment, the Bible said that God was with him. Why was he with him? Because God loved him.
In spite of all they went through and how the nation that they lived was so corrupt and hurting them, the Bible says that they prospered. And at the end of the day, God took them out. And I'm here to tell you, I don't care what's happening here in this world. I pray for our leadership. I pray for the nations. I pray for Ukraine. I pray for Russia. I pray for everybody. But at the end of the day, I know that in spite of whether my prayer gets or changes anything, I know he loves me. And in the end, God will get his way. So don't be afraid. He is a faithful God. Lamentations 3 and 22 reads, Because the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassion never fail. They are new every morning. Every morning. Then he exclaims in a loud voice, Great is thy faithfulness. I feel like I should go to the piano and sing that song with you. Great is thy faithfulness. Sister Nay, would you stand? Sing that song right where you're at. Great is thy faithfulness. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Ah. Oh. Lift up your voice, church. Great is thy faithfulness. Come on. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning. New mercies I see. Mm. Come on. Loud. Now you thank him for his faithfulness. I will paraphrase just a little bit and tell you that in the midst of where we find this particular scripture I just read is out of the book of Lamentations. Jeremiah, whom they call the weeping prophet, is given credit to, to write that. I hope you one day, just like I hope you're taking time to read the book of Exodus, you will take time to read the book of Lamentations and you will find such a sad story. You'll find a man who was unprepared when God called him. He felt he was too young. He felt he was not prepared. He wasn't schooled to do something for the king of glory. But after being spoken to by God, he was convinced to do it. And I believe that one of the things that scared him the most was the fact that the message he received was not one of blessing. Not one of encouragement. It was a word of judgment. 
to a perverted nation that needed to hear about God, but they would not. And if you hear his story, his history, he went through a lot more than I did. But in the midst of all his trial and all his struggle, that's why it's called Lamentations. It's a dirge. It's not one of the beautiful worship songs that we sing. It was a funeral song. That's what lamentation means, a time of mourning, pain, loss, suffering. Because this is what this man experienced in the 40, 50 years of his ministry. He never saw his ministry show fruition of anything, thrown in a well, run out of town, Ransom on his head. But in the midst of it all, the Holy Spirit penned down these words. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. He never lost hope. And I don't know what you're in this morning, what you're going through. Maybe you're ill. Maybe you're financially distraught. Maybe you're going through social things or, or uh, uh, emotional hurt, pain, or whatever. In the midst of that suffering, let that voice ring. Great is thy faithfulness. Hmm. Had I not believed that great was faithfulness, I wouldn't be standing behind this pulpit today. Come on, somebody. Mm. Oh, my. What you know about me. Mm. One thing you know that my life has been transparent before you, and I can tell you that had I lost my hope in God, I would not be here this morning. But just like me, I know that many of you have been through tough situations. And now as a whole generation of people that are living here in this country are going through stress and pressure. Ha. But in spite of what the White House does, in spite of what the nations and how they roar in anger, whatever they're fighting for, we the church need to stand stable and know that at the end of this story, the church prevails. <laughs> Faithfulness. Synonymous to words like firmness, fidelity, steadiness, and steadfastness. And all the Lord wants us to understand today is that he is a God you can depend on. Anytime you call him, he's there for you. Those of you who are watching us over television, YouTube, God's there for you if you need him. This right here proves it. He is faithful in this one thing above all other things. As I mentioned, he loves you. He is faithful in his love. The verse I just read to you confirms that. He said, Jeremiah said, because, the Lord's, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. 
Because he loves us, we don't have to worry. No one has the authority to destroy where we're standing in him. John 15 and 13, greater love has no one than this. Who's that love? The Lord. That he laid down his life for his friends. Ephesians 2 and 4, 7. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in transgression. Why? Because of his love. His love is a keeping love. The reason we're all here this morning is not because we first loved him, but because he first loved us. The reason we're able to sit in this place today and sing songs is not because we found it in ourselves to give him all the glory. It's because of his spirit and his love for us, he has drawn us close to him. Mm. It's the moment we think that out of our own flesh we could offer him. The Apostle Paul said, it is by the power of his spirit that we are made confident, that we are effective. This is why we're seeking the Holy Spirit in this house. This is why last week we sensed the presence of the Lord just moving everywhere. How many were here last week? How many are here for more? The week before is something that God is building up. And the time right now is not time to slack off. It's a time to seek him anymore. And so just in case you forget this morning, God loves us. We don't have to get perturbed by anything or concerned. Sure, we do everything that's necessary, but never to the point that we lose sight of heaven. Because one thing God is faithful in, and I close with this this morning, he's faithful in his promise in one day coming for us. Aren't you glad that this is not your home? Charles Swindle said, Chuck Swindle said this. He said, you know, life is great. Amen? That life is great. But God allowed it to be bad enough to not want to stay here. And I believe him. Life is good. But it's not that good. Life is good. But it's not better than heaven. Life is good, but it doesn't treat us that well. Enough for us to want to embrace it forever. There are people in this world who want to live forever. There are people today who are in a frozen state. To allow time to pass for whatever disease they had, they find the situation for it or the, or the, the uh, medications for it. They can bring them back out of their frozen state. And so God's going to hold that soul and say, okay, well, it's frozen. I can't touch that. Paul said to thee, present here on earth is to thee absent. And to thee absent here is to thee present in the presence of the Lord. So our time right now is momentary. It's time for Jesus. Would you stand with me today? It's time for Jesus. Ushers, would you come quickly? Hmm.
I'm so glad that the love of Christ is patient. Because if he wasn't patient, we would be consumed, as Jeremiah said. I'm glad that his love is keeping, that he is faithful in his provision of us. How many can say the Lord is my portion? How many can say the Lord is my portion? Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.